Welcome to Love Your City podcast. Um, today, my special guest is Sam Jackson. <laughs> How long are you going to run with this for? I don't know, as long as I can get away with it. Right, okay. For, um, but um, good to see you, Sam. Have Thanks. you had a good week? Uh, yeah, it's been okay. Yeah, okay. I mean, spring is in the okay. air. Yep. But there's also not a lot of rain. No, um, we, we And it's getting pretty rain. desperate, but... Um, God bring it. Now, I heard recently that you bought a gun. Are we allowed <laughs> to mention that on the podcast? Um, I wish you had told me that before I pressed record. Let's just um, <laughs> move on from that. It's a new hobby. New hobby. It's a fun hobby. It's good. Everyone needs hobbies. When you live hobbies. in the country, mm-hmm. I'm not going to buy an Akubra though. Okay. So, everyone, don't get Sam offside. Anyway, back in July, uh, we brought two people to Toowoomba, mm. Melinda Tankard-Reese, Alan Meyer, mm-hmm. did a series of events um, around our City Free From Porn campaign and they were both brilliant and complimented each other well. And you were able to get Alan aside and do an interview with him um, yeah. and particularly around the issue of family yeah. uh, in our city. So tell us a bit more about yeah, that. Yeah, I, I thought, I, I heard Alan say uh, in one of his early talks um, that um, he'd been married to his wife for 50 years and I thought, man... Uh, that that's incredible and so my my thought was to start off an interview just asking that question you'll hear it you know when people look at your marriage what do you hope they'll see and that sort of set the tone of the conversation for him to talk about his life as a son Mm. but also then as a father and and husband um and i just came away from that going man you know wherever wherever you look it seems like and, and from whatever angle whether it be religious or otherwise it seems to be agreed upon that the one of the key building blocks mm-hmm. in society is family. Mm. Uh, now, family takes many forms and all that sort of thing. But if we can, if we can have, and this is an easy adjective to choose, healthy families, then that's one of the best building blocks to building a healthy city. So I think you know, and that that shouldn't come as a surprise to most of our listeners who are fluent with scripture that that seems to be something through yeah. which God uh, really wants to build His kingdom on. Yeah. And so um, I just was really taken by um, Alan talking at times really emotionally. There was a time where both of us were in tears, which was a bit of a shock mm. um, given the venue and where we were doing the interview, uh, which I won't go into, but um, uh, just speaking so emotionally about how thankful he was for being a part of a family and then, and then in turn leading a family that got it right more often than they got it wrong. N- never, never would claim to be perfect, but certainly, yeah, um, mm. grew up in a, in a very loving and, and healthy family. So. Yeah. Um, it was a really, really great chat. Yeah, and I find this whole issue um, so challenging because it is the basis of our city mm. and it's an area that seems to be breaking down at a huge rate of knots. And, yeah. and like you said, even when I talk to um, non-church leaders in our city, particularly the police, it, their, their um, perception of just seeing the breakdown of family and the mm. increase of crime and um, and they're at a wit's end of what, what do we do? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'd, I'm not sure if the church is presenting the answers yet. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I think our listeners will be encouraged through this story. But yeah, the ongoing conversation needs to be how do we how do we speak to uh, this this breakdown of families in so many of our towns and cities? Um, that would be a great conversation to be having within your own city as well as potentially some follow up episodes mm. from us. So mm. um, yeah, enjoy my conversation with Alan Meyer. Well, good day, Alan, and welcome to our city. Um, so good to have you here again. I know it's not your first time, and hopefully not your last. But uh, thanks so much for what you're giving to our city over it's these a few pleasure. days. Yeah. Pleasure to be here. I want to ask you this question to lead off. Um, I heard you say last night at an event with a bunch of young people that you've been married for over fifty years now. Yeah. Um, what do you hope if the world were to look at your marriage over that fifty years? What would they see, and what would you hope that they would see? Yeah. Well. Um, 
one of the reasons I've been married for 50 years was because I grew up in a home where my father loved my mother. My entire experience of marriage has been a situation where a man serves his household. That's what my, that's what my dad did. He was a primary school teacher and a primary school principal. And uh, he was a Christian. He got came to Christ when he was four years old. And my mum was a Lutheran. Uh, he, dad was a Methodist. Uh, mum was a Lutheran. She had an encounter with God when she was 13. So when my mother and father met, um, both of them were followers. They were, real, they were real Christians. And so I grew up in a home of real faith, not, uh, not just, you know, pretend faith, but the real deal. And the, one of the clearest manifestations I saw of my father's faith was how he handled his manly duty, his manly calling. Um, he was just faithful in his work. Um, he was faithful in holding his, not only holding a, his job for a lifetime, but the diligence with which, with which he did it. Secondly, um, the restraint of the need for some kind of um, personal breakout times, you know. Um, Dad never owned a motorbike. He had to go boring off for the weekend. Dad never had day, boy time. My dad um, saw his life as serving my mum, serving our family, serving his, the kids at his school, serving his church and serving in the community, particularly in a children's home where my dad was kind of one of the key guys at that place. So what I saw of manhood was sacrificial, compassionate, total commitment to the welfare of a group of people. Now, I grew up in that. Um, my dad never sat down and gave me talks on that, uh, but it marked my heart profoundly. When I meet my dad uh, in the suite by and by, one of the things I want to say to him is, Dad, you were, a, you were an amazing influence on my life in ways you didn't understand. You planted in me the seeds of the picture of what a marriage could be, that for a whole lifetime, a man could honour a woman. Um, and uh, you did that. So when I got married, divorce was not even... Uh, a, you couldn't have, I couldn't have imagined divorce. Uh, murder got on the agenda more than once or twice in those 50 years with Helen, but never divorce. Um, we believed in forgiveness. We believed in um, a, a little girl. Th this moves me when I think about it. A beautiful 19-year-old girl stood beside me at an altar in 1968 and I said to her, forsaking all others and cleaving only unto you, in sickness and in health, for richer or poorer, for better or worse, till death us do part. And that little girl trusted that promise. She pinned her future to that promise. Now I could have made that girl's life hell. I could have filled her with regret that she'd ever been born. I had the power because as a man, uh, I think John Gottman, a uh, great marriage uh, counsellor, has said, it's what men do in a relationship that are key factors. This is what men, what men do. I, I had the power. Now, she could have ruined my life too. But the funny thing is that it, it, it's much less a regular deal that a woman ruins a relationship. They, they seem to be wired to just care and give and want to serve and things to work well. They, they lean into a collegiate approach to life. Men often lean into a degree of selfishness and a degree of uh, the pursuit of pleasure. 
Um, not that a woman can't do that, but it's less likely that a woman blows up her marriage by pursuit of pleasure. She trusted me. And, um, you know, I think about that nearly every day. I think about the privilege I've been given, that a little girl gave me her life. And I promise you, when she meets Jesus, I do not want that girl going up to Jesus saying, what on earth did you give me this buffet for? Good Lord, do you realize how hard it's been living with this guy? He has been rude. He has been violent. He has been uncaring. He's been selfish. It's been like pushing peas uphill with your nose, trying to make this relationship work. I want her to be able to go back to the God who created her and say, I give thanks unto the Lord for you are good because you gave me a good man. I heard my mother say two things after the death of my father. Over the grave, I heard her say something they probably said to each other nearly every night of their marriage. She said over his grave, good night, sweetheart. I'll see you in the morning. I heard her many times say, I had a good man. Mm. And she did. Mm. Wow. Huh. Um, Alan, when you, you know, you, you seem to have dedicated your life uh, to not only uh, building a great marriage and a great family yourself, um, but helping others to do that. Uh, what you've experienced as, as, as a growing lad and what you've, what you've been building as a, as a husband and father, um, how common is that sort of marriage and relationship in your observance over many years? One thing I can say happily is that I think everybody wants it. Mm. Nobody gets married with the plan of building a dysfunctional relationship in which two people get as damaged as they can and then damage the kids that they bring into the world. Nobody gets married for that reason. There is a dream. Um, the reason that fairy tales will never die is that it's woven into the human heart, the cry for heaven, the hope that I will be deeply and profoundly loved. The tragedy is that by and large, we have no idea how to make that happen. And we have no idea how to make it happen with an imperfect person. Um, there is a dream of perfection in the human heart, the, the dream of being loved profoundly. What we think it takes to get that to happen is, is where um, our um, unrealistic expectations have the capacity to destroy our life. We have no idea what real love takes or even sometimes what real love looks like. We think it looks like endless um, besotted, you know, be, being besotted endlessly, be, feeling sexually romanticized endlessly, endless pleasures. Um, real love is a very strong thing and it's valuing another life so profoundly you're willing to die in order to see that take place. And you see the best example of that is on the cross when Jesus um, counts our humanity to be so profoundly valued he's prepared to die in order to see it redeemed and then the bible says husbands love the love your wives like christ loved the church in other words if you're not dead yet you haven't gone too far um, so people want it but they don't know how to get it and i think the the miracle of our 50 years is that increasingly as we've done that journey we've become more and more aware of what the stumbling blocks are we've been willing to address the stumbling blocks 
um, make adjustments in our expectations, and then devote ourselves to uh, making this journey as wonderful as it can possibly be. And um, we've not been perfect at it, but dang me, here we are, nearly 51 years down the track, and I would not trade this journey for anything. There's not a, there's not another life I would be willing to trade what we have for. Fantastic. I wouldn't want to be so rude as to presume your age, but uh, you seem to be in that uh, in that category of retirement, hitching up the caravan to the back of the four-wheel drive, and you know, travelling the coastlines of Australia. Yep. You're not doing that. You're not a Toowoomba native. You're here in Toowoomba uh, yep. to share. What keeps what keeps you going? What keeps driving your passion? Well, firstly, um, Helen doesn't like us telling our age because she says people pigeonhole you when they hear your age, and I think that's possibly true. But I don't mind. I just say, well, the fact is I'm 71 years old today. But my senior pastor is 102. And I had lunch with him just last week. And he's still going strong. He didn't retire from preaching until his 100th birthday. Um, so I could still have 30 good years up my sleeve. Mate, here's what keeps me going. Firstly, I don't feel 71. Um, I remember Trevor Chandler saying this years ago, I feel about 25. I've never felt older than about 25. Well, my body tells me I'm not 25 because I used to love playing football and I used to climb up the back of the pack and take a screamer and today I couldn't jump over a small doghouse. But the, the reality is um, I don't feel 71. Secondly, it took me a long time to learn what I know. And what I know has the, has the capacity to change people's lives uh, it has the capacity to, to change the direction of a life, to heal a marriage, to heal a family, to change a person's direction. In particular, my passion is men. Uh, because I know if you touch a man's life, you touch the women and children that he relates to. So I see talking to a man, a package deal. I know if I can influence him, I can influence the household that he relates to, or the cluster of people he relates to. And if you can help a man to be gracious and kind and faithful. Women and children live in a totally different space. So why would I give up? Um, I'm increasingly learning to allow my age to realize I won't be able to do some things that I'm doing currently forever. Um, my golf, I can't hit a golf ball as far as I used to. Uh, and as a result, I realize I won't be able to play golf well forever. Um, I'm going to play some golf while I can. So two years ago, I went and did a tour of what's called the British Rota, where you play the 10 golf courses that they play the British Open on. Now, this year, uh, they're playing on uh, Royal Port Rush, and uh, the, that's an Irish course. Now, next year, I'm planning to do a two-week tour of Ireland just playing golf on the 10 great golf courses, including Royal Port Rush. Uh, and doing it, why? Well, because if I don't do it now, there'll come a time I can't do it. So we take time out to do stuff like that. But we've got a really important and a job and we've got an, a window of opportunity. I don't want to squander it by just doing nothing. Yeah, no, that's great. And we really appreciate you being in our city and, and experiencing uh, the evidence of that and the fruit of that, the fruit of your wisdom and the many years of experience. I mean, you've been a blessing to many, hopefully an increased blessing to those who listen to this interview and some free stuff there for the golf fans as well. Fantastic. So, Alan, thanks so much for your time. It's been a pleasure to be with you. Good on you.